Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The World in 10, your roundup of today's biggest stories seen through the eyes of the Times of London. I'm Eleanor Shearwood. And I'm Laura Cook. Today, we'll bring you the latest updates from Sudan, talk about coronation cuisine and even reveal a secret hobby of Japan's emperor. Let's start with AI though, shall we? We woke up this morning to the news that one of the pioneers of AI has quit Google, saying it's scary the rate the technology is changing. This is a British computer scientist. He's called Geoffrey Hinton, but he's also known as the godfather of AI. He basically developed its foundations. Now, this news definitely seemed concerning, and it all comes in the wake of an open letter from over a thousand AI experts, and those include Twitter boss Elon Musk and Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, who want training of AIs above a certain level to be halted for the next six months. We decided to take this up with the Times technology correspondent Mark Selman and asked him how worried we should actually be about all of this. When people like Geoffrey Hinton, who have a deep, deep understanding of their technology, start to raise flags about it, I think we should stand up uh, and listen. And he's not the first to do it. He won't be the last, but he is a significant voice. And many of those that signed that open letter uh, were of similar stature to him. So there are significant voices warning about it. But I think we are getting to a situation where where the voices of concern are getting bigger and bigger. Now, when you think of the risks posed by AI, it's probably easiest to split them into current threats and those which are then more distant. Nearer threats include things like disinformation because anyone can create high-level content so it's harder to work out what is and isn't real. And job losses because AI can do things like writing and coding. And then you get on to these more existential risks. So by teaching AIs to code, it means they can kind of improve themselves at an exponential rate. Also, there are worries about giving these machines access to the internet and letting them communicate. And also, there could be a threat from teaching AI about human nature. It all kind of screams that it needs some kind of control. So the question is, obviously, what's the solution? Well, Mark says it's currently all in the hands of big companies. For some, that actually presents a threat. But for others, that's an opportunity for them to come together and work out common ground of rules and regulations of how this technology is deployed. Currently, that seems unlikely because they're in a competitive commercial race, um, the likes of Google uh, and Microsoft. 
Uh, in terms of, you know, if they won't do it, then who will? Then obviously you get into governmental regulation. And that is starting to happen. But this is very early stage regulation. And for many people, the regulators are always behind the technology. And so that is a, a, an issue. And then the other big issue is that there is a parallel movement to release this technology as widely as possible. So it's essentially going to be everywhere. Ultimately then, a lot of these companies need to take responsibility, but their desire to do that and not release these products clashes with the fact that they're so competitive with one another. Now we take a look at the latest on the crisis in Sudan. The fighting between the Rapid Support Forces and the country's regular army is entering its third week. Now the UN is warning more than 800,000 people may ultimately flee Sudan, which has a population of 46 million. Now that's if the fighting continues. Here are the numbers. The fighting has so far caused more than 330,000 people to flee their homes within the country. And that's with another 100,000 others escaping over the borders. One of the big questions is who is there to help? Well, in today's Times, Fred Harter tells us how people are now having to fend for themselves as aid agencies evacuate staff and suspend lots of their operations. Amy's in the capital Khartoum and she's been telling us how difficult it is even to get food. It's now very, very, very expensive. The shops are not really, like in every in every two or four blocks, there is one shop. So basically, yes, and and everything, the, the, the goods, the supplies, the it's it's uh, it's rising from a moment to another. The 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 poor people cannot get any supplies now because it's the the prices are rising. No one no one no one wishes to leave this country, of course. But it's really sad what, of what happened right now. The UN says the situation's reaching breaking point. Thousands of tons of the World Food Programme's humanitarian aid's been looted. Sir William Patey's a former UK ambassador to Sudan and told us without aid there'll be a humanitarian crisis. But the scale of this could also bring about a faster resolution. The fighting has taken place in the capital city, in its largest city, six million people. Previous Sudan conflicts have largely left the capital alone. So you can't really have a civil war going on for very long if your capital city and your whole governmental system is in turmoil and your people are starving and fleeing. So the extent of the humanitarian crisis is ironically the thing that will bring it to a conclusion more quickly. Well, there are lots of great stories in The Times today and we thought we'd give you a quick roundup of what's going on. Well, first to Ukraine, where a secret mission from the Vatican to end the fighting seems to have been stopped by President Zelensky. Pope Francis has said he wants to visit Kyiv and Moscow on what the Times have described as a peace mission. But an official close to Ukraine's president says that's not something they've consented to. Now, our next story relates to the only thing anyone is talking about in the UK this week. Yep, the coronation. And we've got an important update on the dish we're all supposed to be making, the coronation quiche. It's made with a mix of spinach, broad beans and tarragon, but 
Impressive title on the way. The Grand Master of the Brotherhood of the Quiche Lorraine has said it should actually be called a savoury tart. Luckily, they won't be making too much of a fuss about it. And if you want more coronation coverage, you can head to thetimes.co.uk where you can also see a full lineup of the attendees, which include Prince Harry, but not his wife, Meghan. Now, picture the scene. Dutch police going about their business, pulling over a man on suspicion of drink driving. All going to plan so far, but then the licence bears the name Boris Johnson. You are joking. No, <laughs> along with a picture of the former PM, <laughs> along with his current birth date. It wasn't. Could it be? No. No. <laughs> it was also valid until December 3000. That's where the alarm bell started ringing. The officers were amused enough, though, by the fake licence that they posted it on Instagram. The driver, though, did get arrested. Well, he tried. He tried, he failed. (laughs) Now, if the big five don't improve their offer, there'll be a TV blackout. What are we talking about? This summer's Women's World Cup. FIFA president Gianni Infantino is putting his foot down. He wants equal pay for women footballers. And so far, broadcasters haven't put their hands deep enough into their pockets for the rights to show the games. Well, the tournament kicks off in Australia and New Zealand in July. So we haven't really got that long. The BBC and ITV in discussions to share the coverage. And so far, it's understood they've offered £9 million. That's a fraction of the amount paid for the men's competition. Infantino says the money on offer is just unacceptable. For the Women's World Cup, they make us offers of 10 to 100 times less than for the Men's World Cup. 100 times less. When you look at the viewing figures of the Women's World Cup, you compare it with the Men's World Cup, it is not 100 times less. It is maybe, the the Women's World Cup is maybe 50 to 60 percent of the Men's World Cup. In Germany, the most watched game, football game last year was the Women's Euro final. This standoff's been going on since October, so I guess we'll have to stay tuned to find out what happens next. Oh dear. Sorry. Now, we finish today with a story about Prince Naruhito, Emperor of Japan, which has been revealed in The Times. But not about him now. This is a story from his uni days. It's possibly not a typical uni story, though. So Prince Naruhito actually studied here in the UK at Oxford University. And aside from normal student activities like having tea with the Queen, The Times has revealed he went on a secret monster hunting mission while he was there. He was here to write his thesis called A Study of Navigation and Traffic on the Upper Thames in the 18th Century. A catchy title. (laughs) It seems like he was more interested in a different body of water though, Loch Ness. So he made a very understated visit up to Scotland to find the mythical Loch Ness monster. Now he wasn't successful in that respect but he clearly had a great time as his sister went up a few weeks later. Now, if you want to read more on that story or any of those we've mentioned today, you can take out a Times digital subscription. The World in 10 will be back, though, tomorrow.